0: Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 Come to me, all, that, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you for the reading of the Scripture, and thank you, Joy, else. It's good to hear you and see you again and to have you here in person, playing beautifully for us, and so many things we've missed over these past several months, and it's certainly great to have you back with us. Thank you for that, and for that beautiful arrangement of what is certainly my favorite hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Thank you for that, and thank you all for your presence and those of you who are joining us online on this World Communion Sunday. When we come to the altar, whether we come physically or come in our hearts, to experience Holy Communion, what a joy that is. What an experience of grace that is. One of the means of grace that John Wesley and others have talked about over the years. Jesus says to come to me all, And I want us to think about that word all today for a few moments and throughout this service and throughout this day on World Communion Sunday. Come to me all, all of you who are followers, all of you who are still searching, all who are broken, all who are from around here and all who are from other places around the globe. Come to me all. What an inclusive kind of invitation. It excludes no one. This means that we come to God by invitation, but the invitation is extended to all of God's creatures, all of God's children to membership in the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the rule of God around this world for which we pray and strive every day. We do not try to storm the walls of the city of God and take it by force. It is God in Christ who invites us to come to his kingdom, to be among his children, to live in ways that would bring honor to our God and a smile to the face of our Christ. That should not seem strange or odd to us because anything worthwhile it seems to me, comes by invitation. But the invitation is to all. This can be an experience with Jesus Christ. In the text, Jesus says, come to me all. There, this me is none other than Jesus of Nazareth offering that invitation. All who are heavy burdened or heavy laden, as some translations say. And that's so many folk right now. Because of the virus and because of other things that are going on in our world and in our hearts and in our communities. Come to me all who are weighed down and Jesus will give us rest and will share that yoke with us as we follow him wherever he might lead. The Greeks used to say it's very difficult to find God and when you found him it's impossible to tell anyone about it. Don't know about that, but you remember Zophar, one of Job's so-called friends, demanded of Job, can you find out these things of God? It's Jesus' claim that the weary find God in himself, in Jesus. So important to our faith. W.B. Yeats, the great Irish poet and a mystic, wrote, Can one reach God by toil? He gives himself to the pure in heart. He asks nothing but our attention. The way to know our God is not just through mental search, not through just being orthodox and pure in all of our beliefs and all of our understanding, but by giving God our attention, coming to him, giving our attention to Jesus Christ and saying, Yes, I will follow you, Lord. Even when it's difficult, even when it puts me at odds with with other folks. John's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 6, that so, so familiar verse, Jesus said, come to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Come to me. It's by his invitation. And it's offered through many people. And in many ways it comes from him. And we find our way to the love of Christ in responding to his call. Our text indicates this experience with God in Christ is an experience for everyone. Jesus says, come to me all. We talked about that a few weeks ago in our major Methodist belief series that it's for everyone. It's not a predestination kind of thing just for a certain group or the elect. The invitation is for everyone. Come to me all. He's a universal Savior. He's a one Lord. He's there for all persons. Christianity is inclusive but not exclusive. God does not desire the death of any sinner. And there are those sometimes who become so filled with hate that they really desire the death. They desire the eternal damnation of those who see things differently than they do. We need to pray for those folk on this World Communion Sunday. God is a God of love and mercy and grace. Not a God for a special, select, elite group of people, but God of us all. And the goal is for every knee to bow. And one day every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And World Communion Sunday, I think, is a perfect time to make this emphasis. I want you to use your imaginations now for a moment and think with me about some of the some of the scenes that I will describe and, and maybe you've experienced worship in these places or you've, you've seen folks, you know folks who have the great cathedral with its crowds and its rich vestments and its beautiful high church liturgy, the neighborhood house church, folks gathering around the dining room table or in the, in the kitchen, in the den, in the living room to worship God. The wood frame meeting house on the hill. Maybe with the windows open and the funeral home fans laying on the pews so that you can keep some degree of comfort. The inner city chapel may be grimy on the outside, but inside is a place of beauty and a place of joy. And all of the places around the globe, multi-colored peoples and Cloths and expressions of joy and people singing out gloriously. The Baptist, Bible believing Baptist in Moscow, the folk in South Africa and the beautiful clothing and the joyous sounds. And then the soldiers and the military folks gathered around where the hood of a jeep becomes a table for the sacrament of Holy Communion. We do it together come to me all, Jesus said. All ye who are burdened and troubled and weary. There's an old story about a guy named Roy Smith. He was a Methodist pastor years and years ago. And he told of a visit to China in the days shortly before the communists had come to power. And he was with a group of Americans visiting a Chinese city and their guide was a very charming, he said, and a very dignified young person. And toward the the end of this time together, toward the end of their, their journey, he fell into step with Dr. Smith. And he said, you are a Christian, aren't you? And Dr. Smith said, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm mean, a Methodist pastor at that time, but yes, I'm a Christian. And without a word... And looking straight ahead, the young man slipped his hand into the hands of the preacher. And they walked a few more steps. And with a firm grip, he looked at him and he said, I'm a Christian too. There are not many of us in this city right now. And sometimes I get lonely. Let me take your hand as we walk together. It makes me feel like I've taken the hand of the rest of the church. I hope this World Communion service today helps us to realize that we are not isolated here. As important as our local community of faith is, we are not isolated in this place. We we take the hand of the rest of the church and we follow our Christ. World Communion Sunday, if we think about it, if we pray about it for a while, can help us when we tend to become so inwardly Focus that we neglect this God-loved world, and it's all around us. World Communion Sunday can help us when we turn inward, because when we turn inwards, problems tend to become exacerbated, and we become more focused on fixing blame than we do on fixing the problem. It's God's people in God's church. This inward focus keeps us oftentimes from being on our best behavior. Where do we go from here as God's church and and God's people? What's next for us on this World Communion Sunday and beyond? I was reading an article this past week, and perhaps some of you saw it too. It's in a publication that comes from the United Methodist Church, but it was written by a guy named Jake Owensby. He is an Episcopal bishop in Louisiana. And I won't read it all to you. I want to share just a little bit. And I think when we talk about weary and heavy laden, he uses a term he coined called crisis fatigue. And he said the term crisis fatigue entered my vocabulary in 2020. Strictly speaking, it's not an officially recognized psychological disorder, at least not yet. But social scientists tell us that people are experiencing it. Lots of people, lots of places, confronted by a relentless barrage of stress-inducing events. We are faced with exhaustion and rage and disgust and despair, and we want things to change, but the problems seem large, and we don't know where to start. Can we make a real difference? We're overwhelmed. And when I read those words, I said, that sounds so familiar. Maybe it's familiar to some of you, too. He said, no wonder we're feeling overwhelmed. COVID-19, social unrest, fires in the West, hurricanes in the Gulf Coast, all these things and more in less than a year. And there are big problems, sustained, vigorous action that we need. And when we're feeling overwhelmed, the size and the scope of the challenges that we face can sap us of our energy. We wonder how do we confront these things effectively. He said if we look at our challenges as whole, racism, the pandemic, the deep fractures in our country, we may feel too small and too inadequate to do anything about them. We know we should do something, but we struggle to get started. And then he shares something that he said he learned in the recovery community. And I don't know if that's from his own experience, I don't know this guy's background, or if it's just from people that he knew from one of the 12-step programs or some of the recovery programs. He said something he learned that made a lot of sense to him and to me when I read it. He said the recovery community taught him this, don't be frozen in your tracks with the illusion that only the big things can make a difference. Instead, just do the next right thing he said if that's safety precautions we take because of the virus if it's listening to people who are different than we are in this world different appearance different attitudes sit with your bible read what jesus says about the poor the stranger and loving your neighbor do something do the good that's right in front of you and then the one line in the article that really struck me and and wrestle with this. He said we know in our heart of hearts that doing nothing to make things better can have the same effect as doing something to make things worse. Let that sink in just a bit. And then he says that Jesus makes this point in a parable and you may be familiar with this story, this parable of Jesus. Parables sometimes are like like a concealed bomb or something, Jesus kind of sneaks them into a conversation. And then when people have had a moment to think about it and pray about it, the little story just sort of explodes. And it shatters what they've thought about a lot of things. And some people get angry and some people get tearful and some people just shake their heads. And others say, yeah, that's right. I don't know why I've never thought of that. The story about the two sons who go to work in the family vineyard, the family farm. The first son flatly refuses. No, Lord, son, dad, I'm not going. Just not going. But later he changed his mind. He grabbed up the clippers. He started trimming a few vines. And by contrast, the second son said, sure thing, dad, I'll, I'll take care of that. And he never lifted a finger. The second son's inaction is what did the real damage. It's in Matthew 21, beginning with verse 28, if you want to reread that sometime. Jesus was obviously in this story not talking about a reliable farmhand, that's important, but he was addressing religious folks about doing God's work on this planet. That work is, he says, and he reminds us of Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, God's work on this planet to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. And then he says, pursue a just and loving world in all that you do. Only remember that part about walking humbly. In other words, do the next right thing. Do the limited, perhaps, the very small thing that's right in front of you today. Apparently, that's how God has decided to change the world. On this World Communion Sunday, hopefully... There's a good word there for all of us. Amen.